0: Lord, you are awesome, you are mighty, and you are worthy to be praised, Lord God. And this morning, Lord, we just again continue to give you thanks, thanking you for this opportunity, Lord God, that we can sit before you, Lord God, that we can hear from you by your Spirit, Lord God, that you can speak to our hearts. And Lord, you know where each and every one of us is on this day, Lord God. You know exactly what we need, but even above that, Lord God, you know exactly what you want to give. And so I pray that our hearts are open to receive, Lord God, that which you are sending out to us, Lord God, because you are sending it to exactly where we are, Lord God, and for exactly, not what we think we need, but what we definitely need. So we just appreciate you. We love you. And we pray that you speak to us in the name of Jesus and all the saints of God say, "Amen, amen, amen and amen. Glory be to God. If you will turn your Bibles to second Timothy chapter two, and we'll allow the spirit of the Lord to speak to us on this morning. Glory be to God, we praised him, we worshiped him, Uh, we prayed, glory be to God, and now he wants to speak to our hearts by his word. 2 Timothy chapter 2, the title of the message on this morning is Calling All Saints, or actually, let me rephrase that, we'll call it Calling All Servants. Somebody say servants. servants, Calling All Servants. And and this morning, God just wants to quickly speak to us. There's six attributes or job expectations uh, of God's servants that he wants to speak to our hearts uh, about on this morning very quickly. And we just want to be able to, as Paul wrote to Timothy and and laid out to these, these dynamics, these expectations to him and encouraged him to to uh, not only for himself, but to pass it on and to teach others. Uh, We want to be able to hear uh, that same thing. We want to be able to receive as servants of the Most High God. We want to be proper servants. We want to know how to serve God properly. Amen. And what this is truly all about. So as the title of the message is calling our servants, I just believe without a doubt that God, that we are in a time. That is essential uh, as it pertains to the kingdom and and in God's time that He is really reaching out and He's calling all servants. Amen? So, with that being said, I just know that um, God really is wanting to plead with us, and excuse me, God is really wanting to encourage us. Today, there is a word of encouragement from him. And let us start with um, 2 Timothy chapter 2. Let us start with verse 1. Verse 1. And we're just going to read through this and we're going to just really allow God to emphasize that which he wants to speak to us. It says in verse 1 of chapter 2, 2 Timothy, you, and he's speaking to Timothy, you, therefore, my son, be strong in the grace that is in Christ Jesus. And as we read this and we hear him speaking to Timothy, let the word of God speak to you personally. So he's saying to you, each and every one of us, therefore, be strong in the grace that is in Christ Jesus. And the thing that you have heard from me amongst many witness, commit these things to faithful men who will be able to teach others also. As he advised Timothy, the things that you have heard from me, the gospel, amongst many witnesses, he says, commit these, teach these to faithful men, that servants, who will be able to teach others also. And he says, you, therefore, must endure hardship as a good soldier of Jesus Christ. Remember, this word is speaking to us. We know that Paul was writing to Timothy, but God is writing to you, my friend. That we, you, I, we must endure hardship as a good soldier of Jesus Christ. No one engages in warfare, entangles himself with the affairs of this life, that he may please him who enlisted him as a soldier. And you also, and also if anyone, I'm sorry, competes in athletics, he is not crowned unless he competes according to the rules. Verse six, the hard worker or the hard working farmer must be first to partake of the crop. Consider what I say, and may the Lord give you understanding in all these things. Consider what the word of God is saying to us, and may the Lord give us, give you understanding. In all of these things, skip down to verse 15. Be diligent to present yourselves approved to God. A worker who does not need to be ashamed, rightly dividing the word of truth. Skip down to verse 20. But in a great house, there are not only vessels of gold and silver, but also of wood and clay. Some of honor or some for honor and some for dishonor. Therefore, if anyone cleanses himself from the latter, he will, he will, he will be a vessel of honor, sanctified and useful for the master prepared For every good work. God is calling. All saints or calling all servants. God is calling all servants. So as we look here at the six. There's six job descriptions. Of a servant that God wants us to take a look at real quickly here my friend. And of these job descriptions that God's servants are to be like, each and every one of them is crucial. So the first job uh, expectation that a servant should be like is a teacher. Look at uh, verse number two again. As it says that, and the things that you have heard from me amongst many witnesses. Commit them to faithful men that you may be able to do what? To teach others also. See, disciples are, are made when new believers are taught the word and led by examples. And when they are trained to transfer the faith, their faith to others. See, we're talking about something that is a serious attribute that each and every one of us has to have as the servants of the Most High God. See, while pastors are specifically called to produce disciples, we all know that for Christ, every Christian should, somebody say should, include an, endured, uh, uh, an enduring testimony and a commitment to discipleship. Every, somebody say Every. Every Christian, every believer ought and should commit themselves with, to, to a commitment for discipleship, a commitment to, to share the gospel of Jesus Christ, a commitment to teach someone. So, so come on, come on, somebody. See, somebody needs to understand here that this is a part of the job description. Of a servant, it's the first one that we ought to uh, simply said that we ought to be able to share uh, the good news of Jesus Christ. Share that which we have received, and it's the good news that we ought to be able to share. It ain't no ought to be able to share. We should be willing to share. Because the truth of the matter, my friend, there you know, in the gospel, is called the good news. And it's the reason why it's called the good news. Because it's the good news and it's the greatest news. There ain't no news under the sun that we could pass from one person to the next or pass on from one generation to, to the next that's more powerful, more higher, or more greater than the gospel of Jesus Christ, the good news of Jesus. Because that is the one and the only good news, the only news that is going to leave or cross over from this side of eternity to the other side. It's the only one that is going to be able to transcend the coming of Jesus Christ, my friend. The news that we, we uh, quickly call people up and share about this and about that and not only call them up, we text them now. You know, all of that news that we so quickly to share, ain't none of it going to transcend the uh, the coming of Jesus Christ. But one and one only, and we as disciples, as servants of the Most High God, the first attribute or, or job description that God is looking uh, to work in us and that we have to yield ourselves to is the sharing of that truth. The sharing of that truth. So don't let the, 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 the word teach fool you or scare you for that matter. Because while little do many of us know, because uh, some of us may not look at ourselves as teachers, but anytime that you share news with somebody else in order for them to know what they did not know before, then you are our teacher, my friend. To teach is to inform somebody, or uh, or impart some knowledge to somebody that, that they prior that they did not know prior. And so, every one of us, even in our gossip, is teaching something. So we ought, number one, and we have to be teachers, my friend. And then the second. Job expectation of God's servants are to be like a soldier. We ought to be like a teacher, and we have to be like a soldier, enduring difficult things and, and disciplining oneself to avoid senseless entanglements. See, this is the soldier that we ought to be, is one that is uh, is able to endure difficult things and at the same time discipline oneself to avoid senseless entanglement. Look at verses three and four. And this is a serious one, as they all are. Verse three says, and therefore, you must endure hardship as a good soldier of Jesus Christ. No one engaging in warfare entangles himself with the affairs of this life that he may please him who enlisted him. This is really important because a soldier must leave behind the comforts of home and his personal affairs To fully devote himself to his duty. Anything less puts the mission in jeopardy. And see, even a natural soldier understands that. And especially when it's time to engage in warfare, he has to disconnect himself from the natural affairs of life. Otherwise, he's putting himself in danger and his uh, company. In other words, he, and it ain't about the, uh, the, the, so much the disconnection of the affairs uh, of, uh, of, 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 uh, of the natural. It's more about the engagement of the, the uh, duties that's set before him. And when the duties is set before you as a soldier, you cannot be engaged or entangled with the affairs of life. And so we can use even the natural soldier as a small example to those of us that the word of God, this ain't what Pastor John said, but do you understand the word of God says that you must endure hardship? Okay, my friends, as a good soldier, meaning that we have to be able, we got to disengage, we got to separate ourselves from the entanglement of the affairs of this life. What is he really saying? We uh, Each and every one of us in this place know exactly what he's saying because this is what he's been saying for so long that we got to begin to see the time of our stay here from God's perspective and we got to begin to put it in proper perspective, my friend, in there. And that means that we got to put the focus on our lives as it pertains to the, the service to the kingdom of God and what God is calling us here for. We are in wartime. We got to understand what time it is, my friends. This is not peacetime. We are in full gauge, full blown warfare. And if any of us as soldiers of the army of the Lord in uh, the full-blown warfare that we are in, are going this about this daily as though we're in peacetime. You are putting everything, you're starting with yourself in jeopardy, my friend. And when I say everything, I'm talking about everything as it pertains to you and that which God has called you as a servant to do and to accomplish. See, and because we are so sidetracked or we can be so sidetracked by our own affairs, my friends. And it's sad because we live in in a time, and this this here is not written to the world. This is written to the church, the servants of God, the ones that God is calling to service or for service. The very ones that that he's calling is the very ones that he's talking to is the very ones that is asleep. My friends, we have to be able to see what time it is for real. And we are in full-blown warfare. Not because missiles is flying from the east to the west. Not physical missiles. Missiles. But there are spiritual arrows that is uh, flying by day and night. 10,000 may fall at my right side. Come on, somebody. Somebody got to know what I'm talking about. David understood this even way back then. But but being in the army of the Lord and being a hardworking soldier that is engaged he clearly says that 10,000 may fall on my, this side, that side, but none shall fall or come nigh me. We are in a serious warfare and that warfare is, is, is what Ephesians chapter 6 describes, my friends. That it's a spiritual one. That is, fought in, that is being fought in the heavenly places is above your eyesight. But it's not beyond your insight if you have a spiritual uh, 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 alignment, a spiritual ear to hear what thus saith the Lord. And see, understand this this is not just a message that God is saying to us, yo. Know, this ain't just something that can go in and out our ear. We, this is, we got to hear what thus saith the Lord. We got to know what time it is and we got to be engaged. We cannot continue to just go to church yo, know, here and there and, 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 and hear you know, the, the good word and then carry on about our business, my friends. It's got to do something on the inside of us. It's got to change what uh, your your mind? It's got to, that your mind may be renewed and transformed, because the real reality, my friend, is is that when we stand before Christ, this stuff is real, and all of the uh, monkey business that we've been engaged in, the affairs of this life is not going to be uh, add up to anything. Ain't going to be worth nothing, and it surely ain't going to be an excuse. It's not going to be an excuse that we can use. So as a good soldier, we have to be devoted to God's duties. We have to be, have an ear to hear what thus saith the Lord and to be led by the spirit of God. Because there is, you know, uh, uh, what do they call them? Uh, The ones that's been captive and ones that is, you know, uh, casualties. There's casualties all around that need to be rescued and taken back, that need to be uh, brought uh, out of the enemy's camp. There's casualties, my friend, and God is concerned about the casualties. And what good is it uh, for any of us as soldiers if we can't go and, and bring back the casualties? This is a serious thing. And so not only is the job expectations of God's servants to be like a teacher, and not only are they to be like a soldier, but they also to be like an athlete. And verse six describes that. An athlete trains oneself to be all that God wants and he's to his rules. See, an athlete, a true athlete of the Lord trains himself to be all that God wants and he's to his rules. And see, even in the natural, as verse 6 says, in 2 in, in, uh, in Timothy chapter 2, it says, the, uh, excuse me, verse 5, I'm sorry. It says, and also, if anyone competes in athletics... He is not crowned unless he does what? Competes according to the rules. According to the rules. An athlete submits to the rules in order to win. The Christian often has to sacrifice certain liberties to gain victory. This means discipline and training. Activities that do not come naturally. We have to train in that which ain't a natural thing for us. That's why we need to to train. But this training and our participation has to be by the rules. And what rules is that? The rules that is set forth by God. Not the rules that we set forth in the game. What athlete uh, competes and expects to win in the Olympics, but he going he to compete by his own rules. How many of you have you seen that thought they was getting crowned for the, the, the goal and, and they got the gold swiped from them because they competed by their own rules? Meaning, uh, what do you call them? Steroids and all types of uh, stimulants. According to their own rules, but in order to win, you have to compete according to the rules. And in the Christian uh, race, in, the, in this race that we're running for the Lord, that we have to commit uh, uh, compete by the, not only the rule, but the ruler. So it's high time for us to quit trying to appeal to God to change the rules to accommodate our position. And it's high time for us to begin to to commit ourselves to, uh, to know the rule and to submit ourselves to the rule that we might be in line with the ruler, the one that will judge the living and the dead, my friend. It would be foolish for us to compete any kind of way. And believe me, you are in the competition. Whether you realize it or not, you are, in, you are competing, my friend. And there is going to be a crown that is going to be, you either going to win or you're going to lose. So ain't nobody under the sun not competing. You know, this ain't one that you can say, oh, I don't want to play. Too bad, my friend, you in the game. This ain't one that you can say, oh, I'm going to sit out this round. No, you're in the game, my friend. So you can sit over there if you want to, but uh, your, your, the, the clock is still ticking and, you, and it's still being counted. You are in the game. You can go out there and lay down on the field if you want to. It behooves you not to do that but it behooves us to, to, to know because we know that we're in the game and there ain't no way of getting out of the game, then let us learn the game and the rules and let us discipline ourselves and let us compete to the highest. It's time, my friends. Don't think that, uh, see, and ignorance ain't going to be an excuse. Oh, I didn't know uh, that I wasn't in the game. That no, that's not going to matter, my friend. There ain't an excuse or anything that we can say that's that's under the sun that is going to change the reality. So as an athlete, we got to compete by the rules so it behooves us to engage. It's time to engage, my friend. And then number four, the job expectations of God's servants are to be like a farmer diligently laboring even when no one is watching. Hear that, my friends. See, the job expectation that we ought to be walking in is even like a farmer. See, because a farmer diligently works in the fields, he'll do his thing and, ain't nobody, and he ain't getting no glory. He ain't competing at the Coliseum. He's not on the, you know, the TV. He's out in the fields with the, you know, like, like, like David was, you know, and he had to sing to himself and encourage himself. He out there in a the place where nobody even wants to be at. He out there, you know, laboring amongst the, the manure and everything else, you know, ain't nothing pleasant much out there. But the interesting part about it is while he labors, and works, you know, and nobody wants to be with them because of the smell and the work and, and the sweat, and the tears, and all that goes along with that. But everybody wants a piece of the harvest. See, when the when the farmer's work is done and, and the season is past, then everybody needs it wants a part of that which the hardworking farmer has labored for. So we ought to be like. Farmers, my friends, diligently laboring even when no one's watching. See, the farmer diligently works his crop because he knows that one day his labor will reap a harvest. See, he knows. He can't get many people to come out there and work with him because they don't understand, but they want a part of the harvest. But see, the thing that keeps the farmer engaged, Rico, that keeps the farmer on the battlefield, that keeps the farmer out there laboring in hard work, is that he, what he knows. And he, what he knows that there will, that he will, somebody say, I will. Reap a harvest. See, but in order to reap the harvest, then there has to be some work. So many people these days want the benefits of the harvest, but they don't want to put in the diligence of the work. And we live in a time now, um, you know, it's very unfortunate, but everything is about quick, fast, and in a hurry, my friend. I heard somebody refer to it one time, Jew, as the microwave generation. We need it and we need it now. There, I remember a time there wasn't no such thing. Yeah, I might be talking a little bit that, that's going to expose some things, but I remember a time that uh, at least that there wasn't no microwaves or at least it wasn't in my house. So you talking about uh, even, you know, uh, to warm up anything or to cook anything, then you, you got to light that stove Turn on that oven, my friend. And you have to have some patience and some endurance. But boy, it was worth the wait every single time. Mama's biscuits and, and that homemade serve juice, uh, boy, had, had people coming down the block. We was talking about this the other day. And it's crazy because, yo, here he yeah, people coming down the block, uh, leaving their house, passing houses that, that got uh yo, that, that got freezers and, and refrigerators full of steak and ale. But they come into the biscuits in the home they serve. See. That's crazy, but it's true, my friends. The whole block and mama's house. Everybody can't do them, uh, didn't have the patience and the fortitude to do them biscuits like mama. Gee, glory be to God. Thank you, mama. I hope you get this tape and maybe when I get home, you might have one more, one more in you. Hey, she's getting old now. So I know she ain't got a whole lot, but if she just got one more, take me back to that memory, back down memory lane. Oh, I better get back on the message. Woo. Hallelujah. Yes, the farmer has to endure some things, my friend. In each and every one of us, God uses as a planter or waterer of seed. Somebody may plant. Somebody may water, but it's God who gives the increase, my friend but he needs service that he can call on to go and plant a seed. Teach the word. He needs somebody that he can call on that will go and water that which has been planted, my friend, and do it according to the rules. Not trying to take some shortcuts, not sugarcoating it, but according to the rules, my friend to boldly and explicitly proclaim that Jesus Christ is Lord, that Jesus is the way, the only way, not just some way, but according to the rules, my friends. The farmer is important on this journey just as important as the teacher, just as important as the soldier, just as important as the athlete. The farmer is important. The diligence of the labor when no one is watching, my friend. It's huge because it speaks to the true character of you, my friend. Some of us, we, it's easier for us to muster up some energy to, to do this and do this when, when, when we're going to get accolades for it or when we've been put on the stage or when we are being watched. But what about that time when it's you and God alone, my friend? Will you hear his voice and not only hear it, but then will you press through? to walk in obedience with, and with the same diligence that you would if it was a thousand eyes on you, my friend. God is really calling us. He's calling on the servant. And he knows why. Number five, as we get close to the end here, the job expectations of God's servants are to be like a worker rigidly giving one's all to the task that is set before you. Look at verse 15. Skip down to verse 15. It says, and it encourages us, this is Paul encouraging Timothy, this is the Word encouraging you, my friend, that it is God that's calling all his servants in this high time that we come on into line, fully engaged, my friend. It says, be diligent, To present yourself approved by God. Somebody say, a worker. Who does not need to be ashamed. Rightly dividing the word of truth. Rightly dividing the word of truth. The Greek term that comes from rightly dividing means to cut straight. To cut straight. Tell it straight as it is. An approved workles, worker handles the word with precision and care. As a master craftsman who has his or her uh, your, uh, materials all straight and in line, my friend. And it's time, my friends, for we, the children of the Most High God, to be the worker that God is calling us to be. Not just any kind of worker. Not even the worker that we desire to be. But the worker that God is calling. Because see, God is calling us to this work because of what he knows. See, he knows The day and the hour. See, the Bible says that no man knows the day nor the hour, but God knows the day and the hour, my friend, of the return of his son. And he is calling us to be diligent, lining up, giving it all. Finishing, run, running the race as though this is the last race. Running the race as though this is the only race. See, when I was in high school, I, I ran one track meet. I was a basketball and football player, but they wanted me to run track. And so my senior year, I ran one track meet and I ran one event. That's it. I wasn't running to. Yeah, I, was, I was lucky. They was lucky to even get me out there on one. But one of my closest friends you know, that played basketball with me, now the crazy part about it, me and him would work out, and we run on the track just me and him all day long. But when it came to running in a track beat, I wasn't into all of that. But he knew that, man, dude, you need to be on the track team because you're the best one even in this event at our school. But I wasn't running it for track. I was running it to be in shape for basketball because that's what I was. So I put everything in there and it didn't matter what I needed to do for basketball, I was ready to work out for that. And if it even meant running on the track, but I only ran this one track meet, one event, and qualified for the state in one, in one track meet. It was crazy and they couldn't believe it. I had I couldn't, I'd never even thought about it because track was not my thing. You know, in that, but I knew that everything that I did, it was for basketball, and I knew I was giving it my all, my friend. But the key was, it was one. It was, I was work, doing it as though it was one left. Competing for one thing and one thing only. And today, my friends, I'm telling you, that we must run this race not only as it, as it is our last race but it's the only one yes. that we have. Yes. There ain't going to be no second race. <laughs> See, I know some people You know, they, they, you know we fail to get prepared for the first track meet because we know we're going to have another one next week. No, this is the only one that we have, my friends. And so we must finish In such a way that ain't no more and that we know that glory be to God. So we must be a worker that is rigidly giving all to the task that is set before us. Please don't just hear this word, my friend, as many sermons that we haven't heard, you know, throughout our lifetime that we hear a good word and that we just we believe it even. But it's through a short period of time, we just let it go out our hands. God is really speaking to our hearts. And if you have an ear to hear, know that you have one race to run, my friend. And the good news is is that the race is not over for you. If you are here under the sound of my voice, if you are there. Under the sound of the voice, if you are hearing this through the, the, the live stream or this stream or that stream, it don't matter. If you are hearing what thus saith the Lord, the race ain't over. And no matter how you ran up to this point, you have a chance, my friend. See, because this race ain't like the natural one that you can get so behind that you think that you're going to lose. Because you ain't competing against somebody else, you're competing for yourself. So you don't lose to somebody else. You're only gonna lose to yourself. So you can either win. So it don't matter where somebody else is at. And the good news: it don't matter even where you were where you were at yesterday. What matters is is where are you now, my friend, and where are you going? And that leads us to the sixth and final. Uh, job uh, expectation of God's servants are to be like a vessel, the vessel of God's house. Look at verse 21, excuse me, verse 20. It says, uh, but in a great house, there are not only vessels of gold and silver, but also wood and clay, some for honor and some for dishonor. Therefore, if anyone cleanses himself from the latter, he is a vessel of honor sanctified and useful for the master, prepared for every good work, my friend. See, we are the vessels in God's house. Come on, somebody. And we got to be today uh, used and, and understand that we have a reservation and that we are to be reserved and useful for his special purpose. And that's the only reason why we're here. That's the only reason why you are afforded to run in the race is to be the vessel of God's purpose, not your own. And this is good news, my friend. It's good news to the highest. So if we don't know, if you haven't heard Why or what your purpose is in the earth, there's only one purpose that God has for his children. I'm gonna say that again. There's only one purpose that God has for his children, for his service, and that is that they be vessels of honor, fit and useful to the master, prepared for every good work, glory be to God. And that good work ain't what you come up with, it's what he's already set forth. This is what it's talking about in Ephesians chapter 2, verse 10, that we have been created, we are God's workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works all that was prepared beforehand. See, the good works that you are uh, uh, are to working, it's already been prepared. It was prepared before you ever became a worker. See, you had a job before you even got the job. Not from your perspective, because when, you when you got the job, you wanted to do the job your way. But I'm talking about God's perspective. And see, and that's awesome news that God loved us enough that he had already made provisions and preparations for us. And that leaves none of us out, my friend. That's for each and every one of us. We are vessels prepared for good works. See, back up to verse 19, and this is where we'll close at. Look at this, it says, nevertheless, the solid foundation of God stands. Ain't nothing going to stand but the solid foundation of God, my friend. And having this seal, what seal? That the Lord knows who are his. Hallelujah. See, this is good news, my friends. The work that was prepared for you, it was prepared for those that God knows who are his. And he knows it better than you. He knew it before you. The Lord knows those who are his. And somebody say in. Let everyone who names the name of Christ depart. See, this is what we was talking about yesterday, huh? See? Everybody who names the name of the Lord, remember I said that there was something else that they had to do. What was that? Depart from iniquity, my friend. And what does that mean? Everyone who names the name of the Lord, submit yourself to the will of God. And walk in the spirit of God. Because see, the Spirit, just as Jesus said that I must go away, that the comforter may come because he is the one that will lead you and guide you into all truth. So there ain't no other way for us to run this race. There ain't no other way for us to finish the course. But then to be led by the Spirit of God that that we didn't earn, that we didn't purchase, that we didn't find, but that Jesus gave his life for and sent him to be our comforter. All of this has been done for us. And this is good news, my friend, because it puts us in the place of God having done all and laid all of the foundation in which the, the solid foundation, I might add, in which everything will stand, in which only it will stand. See, we have the foundation, the only one that will last, that will stand, that has been given by God himself. So how can we continue outside of the mindset that Paul had even in himself when he said that I have finished the race, I have run the race, I have finished the course, and now what is laid up for me or what's laid in store for me is a crown of righteousness. See, it's time that we get this right, my friend. We are running for the crown of righteousness. And not to, to, to win the crown as though we can earn the crown, but we are running uh, this race because we, Jesus has already delivered the crown. It's just at the end of the race. It's waiting for you. It's yours already. But who will endure to finish to get to the crown? Will you finish the race to get to your crown that's already yours? That has your name on it? Though you ain't running to find the crown. You ain't running to earn the crown. It's yours. You just got to go over there and get it. Why? Because Jesus. Because Jesus. Because of Jesus. The name above every name. Because of Jesus. And for this reason, my friends, we don't have to fear. We don't have to fear the the trick of the enemy. We don't have to fear the cares of life. We don't have to fear even our own self. Because victory belongs to Jesus. And it's already been delivered. That's good news, my friends. So it's about us just finishing the race. It's about us, uh, you know, as God has called all servants. It's about us working, uh, the and uh, living and, and, and running and, and doing the job expectations of God's servants. It's about us just doing the work that God has called us to do because we already have the victory. Glory be to God. Let us look to the Lord. Father, in the name of Jesus, thank you as you have given us the victory. Hallelujah. And thank you for understanding that right now, Lord God, that we are not running this race to earn anything. We run in the race because we have already gotten everything in Jesus. So we bless your name. We glorify your name. I pray right now for each and every individual here, Lord God, as your word may have touched their hearts, Lord God, as it's spoken to our hearts. Let us not leave this place the same, but let us receive from you, Lord God, the charge that is set before us to change, Lord God, to engage rightfully, to be useful, the useful vessel that will be willing to teach as the Spirit leads, the useful vessel that will, will be willing to endure difficult times as a soldier, Lord God, the, uh, the, 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 the one that will be willing to discipline and train himself as, a, as a, a, the great athlete, Lord God, one that will be diligent, Lord God, to 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 labor even when no one's watching as as the farmer, the hardworking farmer would do, oh God. Lord, just to be a worker that is just rigid uh, enough to just give it all, Lord God, in the mighty name of Jesus. We need you today, Lord God, that we don't lose what you have imparted. This bread that you've given us is the bread of life. That comes down from heaven. Let us not lose or even not partake of the bread, Lord God, that, we'll, that we eat of that will never hunger again. Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. And it's in Jesus' name we pray.